Welcome to Counter Melody, the podcast on great singers and great singing. As always, I am your host, Daniel Gundlach. No preaching here, no lecturing, well, maybe just a tiny bit of each, but the primary spotlight will always be on the singers that enrich and enhance our lives, no matter what is going on in the world around us. Thanks for joining me. And now, this week's episode. Hey there, friends, fans, and listeners. I feel so intimidated by today's topic because I know not nearly enough about it. If you'll remember, last week I promised you an episode on Ukrainian singers, and that's exactly what I am bringing you today. Now, I knew more than a handful, but knowing a handful is really not knowing anything at all, as I quickly discovered. I expanded the episode to also include Ukrainian composers, as they are also virtually unexplored territory for so many of us, myself included. I'm going to start today with historic examples of surely the most important and world-renowned Ukrainian singers. At least in their day, they were renowned and celebrated. First up is Alexander Kipnis. For me, the most noble voice in existence. I'm going to play for you the very first recording I ever heard of him. I must have been about 12 years old. This is from Handel's Ariodante, Al senti stringue parto, in which a father bids farewell to his daughter. This recording is from 1930. I needn't even speak of its significance for the world in which we live today. Dio. 
though less celebrated than Kipnis outside of the Soviet Union, there are two further Ukrainian-born bases. Well, there are more than two, but right now I'm going to offer you two who are also towering figures. The first is Boris Khmirya. He lived from 1903 to 1969, and from 1939 was a soloist at the Kiev Opera. We're going to be hearing a number of Ukrainian folk songs over the course of the episode. And here is the first one. And I'm drawing on the assistance of my trusty Google Translate pronunciator. It's called or there is a high mountain. The text describes an idyllic pastoral scene. And at the end, the singer says how joyous it is to live in this beautiful world. And yet my heart aches because I know that spring and youth will never return. This recording is from 1967, two years before Khmeria's death in The next singer we're going to hear is Mark Reisen. He lived from 1895 to 1992. He began his career at the Kharkiv Opera in Ukraine and moved up 
sequentially through the Mariinsky in Leningrad and the Bolshoi in Moscow, where he was the principal base for nearly 25 years. Even after his retirement, he continued to sing and sing beautifully. In fact, there exist clips of him, I think, singing Prince Gremin from Eugene Onegin at his 90th birthday. There are two 19th century heroes in Ukrainian literature and life who stood for an independent Ukraine. They are Mikhailo Petrenko, who lived from 1817 to 1862. The other is Taras Shevchenko, who lived from 1814 to 1861, and who was sometimes simply known as the Bard Kobzar. Often their poems were set to folk melodies, or also by composers, and we're going to hear examples of both of those today. Right now we're going to hear a performance by Mark Reisen. The poem is called I look at the sky and ponder, and the question that the poet ponders is, why am I not a falcon? Why don't I have wings? Why instead am I a misguided waif? If I look toward the heaven, everything becomes better, and I forget that I am an orphan, and my thoughts hover and fly with the eagles. Would that I could abandon the earth and fly just like the eagle into the clouds. This recording, rather remarkably, is from 1983, when Mark Reisen was approximately 88 years old. Oh, 
these questions of borders these days, especially vis-a-vis Ukraine. It's very interesting to consider that some singers who are known, for instance, as Polish or as Russian actually have strong Ukrainian roots. And we're going to hear four sopranos right off the bat from the very early years of the 20th century who all are most commonly spoken of as Polish and yet who were born in what is present-day Ukraine. The first of these is the dramatic soprano Teresa Arkell, who was born Teresa Blumenfeld in 1861 or 1862 and died in 1929. As you might infer from her name, she was of Jewish heritage, and that is true of a number of the singers that we'll be listening to today, and I will always try to bring that to your attention. Of course, Kipnis was also Jewish. Another Ukrainian singer that we're not hearing today, but that I featured on his very own episode about a year ago, Igor Gorin, was also Jewish. And as I said, I'll keep you abreast of the Jewish heritage of singers as they come up. The recordings that Teresa Arkell made took place after she had retired from her stage career, but she was only in her early 40s in the recording that we're going to hear right now, for example. Spunta l'aurora pallida from Boito's Mephistofele. To our ears, this voice might appear shrill, but this was very much the vocal ideal of the time. Bear in mind that Arkel sang the biggest roles up to and including Norma all over Europe during her active career. Here is Teresa Arkel from 1903. Thank you. 
The next singer we're going to hear is Salomea Krushelnitska, who was one of the leading lights of the opera world in the very first years of the 20th century. She was equally renowned for her Verdi, Wagner, Strauss, and Puccini assumptions, and Puccini himself cited her butterfly as his very favorite. She has a warmer voice than Arkel, and I find her to be altogether more sympathetic as a singer. I'm going to play you an excerpt from her recording of Ebene Androlontana. This recording's from 1906. At this moment, the heroine Lavallee is lamenting having to go away from her homeland, and she remarks that, indeed, she may never see her homeland again. singer is Elena Rushkovska, who lived from 1877 to 1948. She also began her career in Ukraine and was again celebrated for both her Wagner and her Verdi assumptions. She was a prima donna at La Scala, at the Hofoper in Berlin, at the Teatro Colón in Buenos Aires, and from 1919 until her retirement in 1928 at the opera in Warsaw. Hers is another exquisitely beautiful voice, as we will hear in this excerpt from Act Three of Aida, the La Traforeste Vergini portion of the duet with Radames, whose part here I have cut down to a minimum, but who is sung by Carlo Barrera.
next soprano is Lydia Libkovska, who was born in the village of Babin in Ukraine in 1882 and died in 1958. After making her debut at the Mariinsky, she joined the Metropolitan Opera for a number of seasons, where she sang Violetta opposite Caruso, and a few years later sang Mimi in Bohème at Covent Garden. She fled the Soviet Union in 1920 and lived for a number of years in the United States. And following her retirement from the stage, she moved to Romania, where she was a voice teacher. And one of her students was Virginia Zayani. Hers is a small jewel of a voice. And we're going to hear her in an excerpt from Tchaikovsky's final opera, Yolanta. This is Ochevo Etoprejte Nieznala. Why did I not know? The recording is from 1912. Today I have drawn on the resources of various YouTube channels, websites on Ukrainian music, and other resources in putting this episode together, and I just want to put out a little 
little shout out to some of the people and sources that I have used. First is the base, Richard Wiegold, who, like me, is an expat living in Berlin. I was alerted this week to his postings by a mutual friend. He's been posting a lot on his Facebook page about Ukrainian singers, and I learned quite a bit listening to the links that he had posted. So thank you, Richard. There's also an amazing website on Ukrainian music at yusupovich.com. I'll spell it for you because it's a really fantastic research. Y-U-S-Y-P-O-V-Y-C-H.com. It's maintained by Myron Yusupovich, who is a Ukrainian conductor, whose website is an incredible resource. So I highly recommend that as well. There are also some incredible YouTube channels, and I will post the information on the show notes page to the podcast. By the way, I don't mention this enough, but I put a lot of time into posting really interesting photographs and sometimes other information as well about each episode. There's a dedicated page for each episode, and this one will have some very interesting photos and, as always, a complete set list of the music that you're hearing on the episode. So check it out. That's at countermelodypodcastoneword.com, countermelodypodcast.com. One of the very interesting things that Myron Yusupovich brings up on his website is the connections that many famous composers have to Ukraine. He talks about the fact that Igor Stravinsky's father was a leading bass at the Opera House in Kiev. Prokofiev also has Ukrainian roots, as does Tchaikovsky, whom we just heard a few minutes ago. Now, there's a singer who also was born in Ukraine, and yet whenever we hear him mentioned, he's always spoken of as being a Russian singer. He was one of the Bolshoi's leading baritones for many years, and had a worldwide career, so you may have heard of him. This is the baritone Yuri Mazurok. He was an ideal interpreter of Tchaikovsky. His Eugene Onegin is, dare I say, legendary. And he also sang the most perfect version of Yeletsky's aria from Tchaikovsky's Pikdam that I have ever heard. This is a performance of a portion of that aria, from a 1967 studio version that was made under the baton of Boris Chaikin with the Bolshoi opera. Oh! 
Now, finally, before we move into the next section, I also wanted to share with you an incredible discovery that I made this week. I simply cannot believe that I had never heard of this singer before. His name is Modest Menzinski, and he is equally celebrated in Stockholm, Vienna, Germany, and Ukraine. He sang leading parts in three of Franz Schreker's operas, Die Gezeichneten, Der Schatzgräber, and Irreloe. He also introduced the world to the songs of the Ukrainian composer Mykola Lysenko. He lived from 1875 to 1935 and had one of those voices that I can only compare to Hermann Yadlovka, where he could sing almost anything. He made a very limited number of recordings in 1910 and 1911. And I'm going to play you a recording he made of one of Lysenko's most famous songs, Oi Dnipre. It is set to a text by the bard Taras Shevchenko. The mighty Dnieper roars and bellows. The wind in anger howls and raves. Down to the ground it bends the willows and mountain high lifts up the waves. Oh, <laughs> 
There's another resource that I want to mention to you that I used this week. That's a documentary available on YouTube by the Ukrainian pianist Natalia Pasichnik. It accompanied the release of an extraordinary collection of music by Ukrainian composers called Consolation that appeared on the Beast label in 2015. And we're going to hear an example from that at the end of the episode. But the reason that I'm bringing it up right now is that she tells the story of the incredible oppression visited upon Ukrainian composers and artists who sought to promote Ukrainian folk music, the Ukrainian language, Ukrainian culture. For ages, there has been a concerted effort by Mother Russia to erase, put down, and integrate the distinctly Ukrainian identity that those persons who deeply love their country have sought to celebrate and preserve. One of those tragic Ukrainian composers is Mykola Leontovich, who you may not know that you know some of his music, but indeed you do, because he adapted a piece of Ukrainian folk music that celebrates the coming of the new year. It's called Shchedrik, or Bountiful Evening, and it uses a four-note motif that I'm sure you're going to recognize in this performance by the Ukrainian soprano Maria Sokil and her husband, the composer Antin Rudnitsky. This is from a recording made in New York in 1941. Here's the song. <laughs> Yes, that was Carol of the Bells, as it's almost universally known these days. Leontovich lived from 1877 to 1921. Because of his career in music, Leontovich found himself under suspicion by the Soviets. And in 1921, he was murdered by a Soviet security agent while he was visiting his parents. Now, sadly, it's time to acknowledge some other horrors that have been visited upon the Ukrainian people. The first is the massacre that took place outside of Kiev during World War II at a ravine known as Babi Yar. The Germans rounded up and assassinated nearly 34,000 Jews in two days in September 1941. It was the first such massive slaughter that took place 
by the hands of Nazi troops during World War II. Babiyar was also the site for other massacres, including Soviet prisoners of war, communists, Ukrainian nationalists, Roma people. In 1961, the Russian poet Yevgeny Nevtushenko wrote a poem on Babiyar that became the basis for the first movement of Shostakovich's 13th symphony, subtitled Babiyar. The bravery of both Yevtushenko and Shostakovich in putting this work before the Russian public in the early 1960s can't even be properly expressed. After two performances, the work was basically erased by the Soviets, but it has since become recognized as one of Shostakovich's great late masterpieces. I'm going to play just a very short portion of that symphony for you from the first movement. This is a performance by Nimi Yervi, leading the Göteborg Symphony. The bass soloist is Anatoly Kocherga, a Ukrainian bass himself, and the chorus is the National Male Choir of Estonia. Here's the text for the portion that we're going to hear. Oh, my Russian people, I know that at heart you are internationalists, but there have been those with soiled hands who abused your good name. I know that my land is good. How filthy that without the slightest shame the anti-Semites proclaim themselves the union of the Russian people. I feel that I am Anne Frank, as tender as a shoot in April. I am in love and have no need of words, but we need to look at each other. How little we can see or smell. The leaves and the sky are shut off from us, but there is a lot that we can do. We can tenderly embrace each other in the darkened room. Не 
Even before World War II, there was another horrifying situation that was visited upon the Ukrainian people. There have been countless examples, but in the period from 1932 to 33 was the so-called Holodomor, or famine, in which millions of Ukrainians died. This was a man-made famine forced upon the Ukrainian people by the Soviet Union, in which millions of ethnic Ukrainians died because they were not allowed access to food. There are those who suggest that this was part of a policy by Stalin to exterminate the Ukrainian people. But regardless, it was a time of such horror that we cannot even begin to imagine. There's a wonderful Ukrainian composer named Yevgen Stankovich, who in 2003 wrote a requiem for the Holodomor victims. I'm going to play you just a short portion of this. The lamenting solo voice is the Ukrainian folk singer Nina Matvienko.
Now I have a song for you, performed by the Ukrainian tenor Misha Raitsin, who, after a career as a leading tenor at the Bolshoi, emigrated to Israel and debuted at the Met in 1975. He moved to New York and sang opera all over the world, as well as Jewish folk music. He made a number of wonderful recordings of this material, and here's a performance of the song Zol Shoin Kom Di Geule, Soon the Redemption Will Be Here. The text for this song is by the Lithuanian Jew Shmerke Kaczerginski, who lived from 1908 to 1954. The music is by Rav Abraham Kuk. If you are dejected, make a toast. If you can't sleep from sorrow, sing a song. If there's no whiskey, drink water. Fresh water is life itself. What else does a Jew need? May our salvation come. Trees are dancing in the forest. Stars are dancing in heaven. The Messiah will soon awake from his deep slumber when he hears the prayers of his people. of the program. I think it's time to give us all a break. And we're going to do that by exploring some music by Ukrainian composers. The first selection features the bass baritone Andriy Dobriansky, who, like Misha Vraitsin, was a long-standing member of the Metropolitan Opera, who, in his 30 years at the Metropolitan, sang more than 60 roles in over nine hundred performances. He was born in Lviv and after the war found himself a displaced person, a designation which allowed him to move to the United States and attend Amherst College. In 1968, he recorded his only solo release of Ukrainian songs. This is a very interesting undertaking because Dobriansky took an assortment of very popular Ukrainian poems and had new musical settings created for the poems by a Ukrainian tango singer 
whose name was Bogdan Vesolovsky. At this point in his life, he had moved to Canada, and it was there that he was engaged by Dobriansky to write these songs. The song that we're going to hear right now is called Nechadi Mayakriko v Sadochok. Do not go, my flower, to the garden. Now we're going to hear from the composer Reinhold Glier, who's probably most famous for the Russian sailor's dance from the ballet The Red Puppy. He also wrote five operas, a huge amount of chamber music, symphonies, and orchestral music, which includes a number of concertos, including this very unusual one from 1943 for coloratura soprano, and orchestra. We're going to hear portions from each of the two movements performed by two of the most celebrated Ukrainian coloratura sopranos. The first is Evgenia Miroshnichenko, who lived from 1931 to 2009. She has one of those typically Russian soprano voices, what we would probably consider to be rather shrill and sometimes a little lacking in firmness, shall we say. But I've been listening to a lot of these gals these past few days, and I have to say, I kind of like her. And she certainly has an adoring public. Even now, people speak with great affection and adoration of her, her voice, and her artistic achievement. In 2006, she was awarded the title Hero of Ukraine for outstanding personal contribution to the Ukrainian government in the development of musical culture. Her recording of the Glier Coratura Soprano Concerto is from 1965, and she is accompanied by Mark Ermler and the Bolshoi Theater Orchestra.
next entry in the Coratura sweepstakes is the Ukrainian soprano Bela Rudenko. She lived from 1933 until just last October, when she died at the age of 88. As with so many of the other singers that we have heard today, she was also a leading artist at the Bolshoi. This juxtaposition of these two Ukrainian coloraturas is kind of like a showdown between the two divas in Mozart's Empresario, Der Schauspieldirektor, because the first movement is much more lyrical a la Madame Herz, and the second movement is much more uh, coloratura spectacular a la Mademoiselle Zilberklang. This recording, by the way, of Bela Rudenko is from 1975, and Stefan Turchak leads the Kiev Philharmonic Orchestra. If I have a preference for one of these two over the other, I'm not going to say, just in case their fans might come out of the woodwork and take me to task. I'll just say, I like them both.
Now we're going to hear some excerpts from some Ukrainian operas. Mykola Arkas lived from 1853 to 1909. His opera Katerina is based on a poem by the bard Taras Shevchenko. It was one of the very first operas in Ukrainian and makes extensive use of folk music. The singer we are going to hear in this excerpt is the beloved tenor Ivan Kozlovsky. You may have actually even heard of Ivan Kozlovsky. He lived from 1900 to 1993, and he was one of the very greatest of that extraordinary breed of the so-called Russian tenor. This recording is from 1941. <laughs> The 
next composer we're going to sample is Boris Lyatoshinsky, who lived from 1895 to 1968. He lived and composed under the Soviet regime, which was not always a comfortable association for him, but he did win numerous awards as an honored artist of the USSR, for instance, and two Stalin Prizes, as well as the Order of Lenin. In 1937, he composed an opera called Shchors, about the Ukrainian communist leader Mykola Shchors. We're going to hear Solkalsky's aria from that opera in a recording from 1939 by the Ukrainian-based Mikhail Donets who lived from 1883 to 1941. His career was primarily centered at the Kiev Opera, and he sang both Ukrainian and Russian operas there, including Boris Garunov, Dodon in Rimsky-Korsakov's The Golden Cockerel, and the title role in Glinka's Ivan Susanin. This is a really rather rare recording from 1939. I hope you enjoy it. <laughs> songs by the Ukrainian composer Kirilo Stetsenko, who lived from 1882 to 1922. When the Ukrainian National Republic was declared after the Russian Revolution of 1917, Stetsenko was made head of the music section in the Ministry of Education. He composed incidental music to various theater pieces, a large number of choral works, several incomplete operas, 
and many, many songs. The first one we're going to hear is called Stoyala ya isluchala isluchala visnu. I'm trying. Stoyala ya isluchala visnu. Okay, well, we'll call it a draw. It means I stood and listened to the spring. And yes, spring is here. I stood and listened to the spring. She told me a lot. She sang out loud, but she also whispered secretly to me. She told me about love, joy, youth, hopes. She sang to me again in my dreams. This song is performed for us today in a 1947 recording by the charming Ukrainian soprano Zoya Khaidai, who lived from 1902 to 1965. As a leading soloist at the Kiev Opera from 1928 to 1955, she sang a good deal of Ukrainian work, including the role of Oksana in an opera whose title I absolutely adore, The Zaporezhets Beyond the Danube. I only wish that I had more time to play more Ukrainian opera for you today. But for now, let's enjoy Zoya Khaidai. Also by Stetsenko, the poet is Oleksandr Oles. Why aren't you blooming, Poplar? Take this leaf and carry it to my family, to the lovely Ukrainian girl that I left behind. This is sung by the bass Paul Plishka, who had a long-standing career of many, many decades at the Met and was a beloved member of the company there. He recorded this beautiful album, of Ukrainian songs in 1979, and he's accompanied here by Thomas Hrinkiu. Oh, <laughs> 
This next singer is another terrific bass named Pavlo Hunka. He was born in the UK to a Ukrainian father and an English mother. Not only has he pursued an operatic career at the highest levels for nearly 30 years, but he is also, to me, a real hero of Ukrainian music because he is the artistic director of the Ukrainian Art Song Project. Their aim is to record over 1,000 Ukrainian art songs by 26 different composers. In 2010, the project released a number of recordings, including one focusing on the poetry of Shevchenko. And here is Pavlo Hunka singing the song Zapovit, Testament, accompanied by Albert Kreiwalt. When I die, make my grave high on an ancient mound in my beloved Ukraine. Bury me there, but then rise up, set yourself free from your fetters, and when you have finally been freed and you gather with your kinsmen, don't forget to spare me a kind, gentle word. Toward the beginning of the episode, we heard a song of Mikola Lysenko, 
sung by that amazing Heldon tenor Modest Menzinski. Now I have two more selections from Lysenko for you. The first is from Natalia Pasichnik's recording called Consolation that I mentioned earlier, in which, accompanied by several colleagues, instrumental and vocal, she performs the music of a handful of nearly forgotten Ukrainian composers. For me, the most powerful song on that recording is called Meni Adnakovo. It makes no difference to me. It makes no difference to me if I live in Ukraine or not, if they remember or forget me, exiled in the snow. It makes no difference. I grew up a captive among strangers, unmourned by anyone, and captive I will die in tears and vanish without any sign. I shall not leave the slightest trace upon our glorious Ukraine. It makes no difference to me if a son prays for Ukraine or not, but it makes a great difference to me when Ukraine is lulled asleep by wicked men and burnt and robbed before waking up. That makes a great difference to me. This song is sung by the South African baritone Lutando Cave, who's at the beginning of an already impressive career. I think his voice is nearly on a par with the other low-voiced singers that we've been listening to today, and that's really saying something.
Lee Senko lived from 1842 to 1912, and in the late 19th and early 20th centuries, was at the center of Ukrainian cultural and musical life in Kyiv. One of Lysenko's most significant compositions is the opera Natalka Poltavka, which was first performed in 1889. The opera incorporates folk songs and dances, and one of the most popular of those songs, which has taken on a life of its own, totally apart from the opera, is Sonce Nizenko. The sun is low, the sun sets, the hills grow black, the bird grows quiet, the field grows mute, people finally go to their rest, and I look into a dark orchard and think of Ukraine. My thoughts fly, and in the deep blue sky a star comes out. I see the star, and my tears cease. Have you also already arisen in Ukraine? Do dark eyes search for you in the deep blue sky? Or have they forgotten? If they have forgotten, let them sleep. And don't let them find out about my destiny. This song is performed by one of the most extraordinary singers I've discovered these past few weeks, Anatoly Solovyanenko, born 1932, died 1999. He was a tenor, celebrated in both the Soviet Union and his native Ukraine. He opens his mouth and this passionate sound directly connected to his soul pours out. That is so true of so many of these singers and of Solovyanenko. It is so vividly the case.
we're going to turn to the composer Vasil Barvinsky. He is a composer who lived from 1888 to 1963, and despite his relatively long life, his was an enormously tragic existence. He was forced into exile in Siberia in the 1940s, and all of his compositions were destroyed by the KGB. They accused him of that indefinable sin of formalism. Upon his return to Ukraine, Barvinsky spent the rest of his life trying to reconstruct his destroyed scores. Here is a song which on this recording is referred to only as lullaby. It is sung by the beautiful Ukrainian mezzo-soprano Ira Malanyuk, who lived from 1919 to 2009. She sang throughout Europe, Munich, Vienna, Zurich, Bayreuth, La Scala, the Salzburg Festival, Covent Garden, the Opéra de Paris. She was celebrated for her Verdi, Mozart, and particularly her Wagner roles. She eventually became a naturalized Swiss citizen, but in her autobiography, she states that she has remained first and foremost always to Ukraine. Hers is a voice of extraordinary beauty. I'm so thrilled to present her to you today, singing this somewhat mysterious vegan lied lullaby.
Next is another incredibly expressive Ukrainian singer, Dmitro Hanatyuk. He lived from 1925 to 2016, and not only was he again celebrated both in Kiev and in Moscow, but he also was a member of the Ukrainian parliament from 1998 to 2002. What is it with these Ukrainian baritones? They have the most gorgeous voices. So many of these low-voiced male singers from the former Soviet Union. Man, they've got it. In this 1974 recording, he sings for us the traditional Ukrainian folk song. Oh dear. Kharno Brivtsi, or Marigolds. It's a tribute to the Ukrainian motherland. It's a tribute to the singer's mother, who planted those marigolds that are mentioned in the title. And it's a wish to return home to both the flowers and the mother's beloved arms. song is one that has affected me so profoundly. It's called Chudesh Bratimi. Do you hear my brother? It's also known as the Song of the Cranes. The text is by the poet and scholar 
Bogdan Lepki, who lived from 1872 to 1941, and it was set to music by his brother Lief, who lived from 1888 to 1971. It is sung by yet another extraordinary Ukrainian baritone, Nikola Kondratyuk, who lived from 1931 to 2006. He received his early training at La Scala and was again celebrated as both a Soviet artist and as a proud Ukrainian. The poem is so profoundly beautiful. Do you hear, my brother, my dear comrade, flying away for the winter in a gray line? are the cranes crying cru 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 in a foreign land i'll die by the time i fly across the sea i'll have worn out my wings this has been a meaningful journey for you into the world of Ukrainian music 
and the extraordinary Ukrainian singers that have brought it to life. The last singer we're going to hear is also the youngest. And atypically for me, having been a professional countertenor myself, this singer is also a countertenor. Now, I am very particular about countertenors, and this guy I really like. His name is Yuri Minenko, and he is performing here with the National Choir of Ukraine, Dumka, led by Yevchen Savchuk and accompanied by Natalia Kmet, a selection from the Ukrainian composer Valentin Silvestrov's Requiem for Larissa. Valentin Silvestrov is most likely the most celebrated Ukrainian composer in the so-called West. He is yet another one of those composers like Penderecki and Goretsky who turned away from early modernism to something much more lyrical and, I don't like using the word minimalist, but fluid, let's say. In this, the fourth movement of the Requiem for Larissa, Silvestrov sets again a text of Taras Shevchenko. It's an excerpt from his poem, The Dream. Farewell, world, and farewell, earth, farewell, unkind land, all my grief and torment I shall hide in the cloud. As for you, my dear Ukraine, widow without fortune, I shall fly to you to speak with you from the clouds and seek your counsel, speaking sadly and quietly with you. I shall fall on you at midnight like the abundant dew. Then together we'll take counsel, grieving for our woe, till the sunrise, till your babes rise up against the foe. Farewell, then, my dearest mother, widow, poor and grieving. Feed your children. With the Lord of heaven, truth yet is living.
dear ones, let us keep the song of the Ukrainian people in our hearts. I'm Daniel Kuntlach.